This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th. And it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Welcome to the Supreme Resort Land V World, a podcast about Disneyland and Walt Disney World and which resort is the Supreme Resort. We will argue the merits of every facet of each resort until we decide which is better. Each episode, we will discuss and compare a ride, a show, attraction, hotel, or experience, and its counterpart from each coast, and decide a winner for each episode. I'm your host, Jimmy, and with me as always is Jeremy. Hey, and I'm not happy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stay tuned. Well, I'll tell you why. And Dan. Hello. I, I am... Uh... I'm, I'm pretty happy. I'm happy that we're getting to this uh, exciting episode that everyone's been everyone's waiting for. Everyone's been waiting for this episode. So, Jeremy, tell me why you're not happy. Because I, last week, went to see the final Illuminations, Reflections of Earth, mm. and uh, the new Epcot Forever. And uh, it stinks. And you're not happy. <laughs> I, I was thinking you weren't happy because Epcot Forever was so good. That it erased your memory of illumination. I would be fine with that. I would be very open to loving <laughs> the next thing that they put out. But unfortunately, All right. in a ten and a half minute show, at least three minutes have zero pyrotechnics. And when you don't have fountains or a globe, that doesn't leave much else happening other than water. Uh, and, not f- and it's not water that's flying around. Right. Well, I was going to say, don't worry, because World of Color is on its way. That's right. Or a version well, we of got it. a little tease because at the end, the <laughs> last song in Epcot Forever, believe it or not, is a whole new world from Aladdin. That's how they end it. A whole it. new world. <laughs> that should be a, a stank new How world. much mileage can they get out of that song? <laughs> I'm, so, I'm a gas. Listen, I think that it was fan service for all of those who were big fans of Epcot and they wanted to see all this stuff. And it, it was a ton of fan service. But then it's like... Hey, you liked that? Well, it's gone, and it's all IP now. <laughs> We're going to prove it to you. with, But there was a little We Go On in that score at the end, right? No. We Go On was not in that score. Oh, how would you feel if, if something that was completely different from Illuminations did use that song, like just to have that connection, or use, to use that song? Because I mean, I'm sure you can understand why they would think that they might need to for fan servicey reasons. Um, I don't know. I, I th- <laughs> my issue with the show is all of the music. So I have a lot of issues with it. The pyrotechnics are weak. Um, the the soundtrack, apart even before, I was annoyed before a whole new world started. Trust me, and that's because they they reorchestrated all of the old Epcot music which was supposed to be the fan service and it's the worst mm. orchestration I've ever heard it's empty shallow unmoving it all starts to sound the same and and then the worst part of all of it is children singing children narrating it every few yeah. minutes this kids coming oh. in yeah. You better feel something when that happens. Even the pre-show <laughs> announcements are like, in 15 minutes, grab your parents' hands because we're going to do a show. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, I hated it. I yeah. hated it. I stood there with my arms folded to the whole thing. And then I went and got drunk it's like, at the it's like- and Crown. Nice. I feel like that's like the audio version of confetti where it's just like, you should feel something now. <laughs> it was so bad. Actually, I didn't. First, I went and returned my Epcot Forever shirt that I had bought earlier in the day because oh, I'm, wow. not, I'm not supporting oh. that monetarily. So I returned it. Um, and then I went to the Rosen <laughs> It got drunk and drowned your sorrows. Oh, my God. Um, the yeah, one, fantastic. I thought the one cool thing, though, was that... Um, I did like a little bit of a Spectro Radio meetup after Illuminations, oh, cool. the final Illuminations. We went to the Abracadabra at Disney's Boardwalk Hotel. And I had about eight people show up, which is about 
That's seven cool. people more than nice. I thought would. And um, it was really yeah. cool to meet um, meet people who I hadn't really met before, but maybe have communicated with over Instagram or you know Twitter or whatever, and that, or our listeners. Some of most of them were wearing shirts that I sold. <laughs> So it's like, wow. Yeah. Like I was actually before the show, I was walking around World Showcase and I just saw a guy in the same shirt I was wearing that I made. And I walked up and I was like, that's my shirt. And he's like, are you Jeremy? <laughs> oh, my God. How funny. That's, that's so cool. Really cool. So that was, you know, I was happy in that. I was sad that Illuminations is going away. I was happy that it brought us together. Well, you know, you do something that you have passion about, like the like Spectral Radio. It's it's comes from a point of passion, and similar to what we're doing here on this show. And then when people actually listen to it and then acknowledge you for the thing that you've done, that's just a passion project, is really exciting. Yeah, right. And in fact, or just just when you get, send us the numbers of people listening to this very show, it, right. it blew my mind. Yeah, absolutely blew my it's mind. It's insane. It, and and in fact. Switching to that subject, I do have to say I just one to... thing. He, the je- first, that first gentleman that I met, um, he said he was like, "I listen to the Supreme Resort." Yes, nice. He's so. a smart man. Hello, person. I said, Hello. Thank you. Very cool. All right, great. Well, so this this episode is brought to you by Coveyers. Get Coveyers. Get some covers for your ears, for your Mickey ears, and get T-shirts covers for your Mickey chest. <laughs> This episode is also right. brought to you by the Disney Skyliner. If you missed out on Superstar Limo, Rocket Rods, Tiki Room Under New Management, or Food Rocks, be sure not to miss the Skyliner soon while you still can. Disney Skyliner, come for the views, stay because it's broken and you can't get off. <laughs> we have a winner. It's, so it's weird funny. ad copy we're getting from Disney. What's going on? <laughs> Meanwhile, also, can I just add to that? Epcot Forever, the new show, last night didn't happen yeah. because they had technical difficulties. Is that right? Oh, wow. So it was so Epcot like, never? Epcot never. <laughs> nice wink. Epcot occasionally. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, so to the point earlier, we have feedback on the show. We have fans, and I want to read a couple. These are not written by us. This first one is from Miss Mary. These three do a great job presenting their arguments on their parks. They are in quotes. And the winner is the listeners. I love that line. I'm a huge fan of Spectro Jeremy from his segments on Ears Up podcast. Shouts to Ears Up. Yay! And then more Jeremy. I'm there. (laughs) Miss Mary, you better be careful what you wish for. I agree with her, though. (laughs) I'm, I'm always for more Jeremy. And then the second one I wanted to read is from Amanda. My life reflected on the radio. I spend more time than I care to admit comparing, contrasting, and debating the various merits of Disneyland versus Walt Disney World. So when I caught wind of this podcast via Ears Up, I dove in headfirst and binged every available episode. You've created a loyal fan, and I can't wait to hear more. Even though you'll never convince me that Disney World is superior to Disneyland in any way, smiley face, tongue out emoji. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so thank you for your feedback. We, you can also email us your feedback and show ideas to jeremy at earsuppodcast.com. Is it earsup-podcast? Yeah, you have it. You have an email address. You didn't know that? No. no. I do, because he asked if I... Jason asked me if I wanted one. He said no? Said no. All right. Never mind. Don't email Jeremy. So maybe somebody just, else. Maybe I, I am not. I don't know. Maybe he went ahead and made it anyway. I don't know. Yeah, don't email Jeremy. Just show up at the Abracadabra. <laughs> and uh, so that's Dan at earsuppodcast and Jimmy at earsuppodcast.com if you want to send us emails or find us on Facebook, Twitter, social medias, etc. So all one the of the things, yeah, one of the main aims of this show originally was we wanted it to be factual. Like it's got to be factual first, and it can be entertaining. And I, you know, I just that's that's the goal. We want to make sure everything we say is factual. So, in listening back to the case of the snow monsters, our most listened to episode, by the way, to date, uh, I would like to make it very clear that a wild mouse roller coaster, also <laughs> Mad Mouse or Crazy Mouse, is a type of roller coaster mm-hmm. characterized by mm-hmm. small cars that seat four people or fewer and ride on top of the track, taking tight turns without banking. 
uh, what can I say? Um, <laughs> it's a it's a better version of a, a thing. I don't know. All right. I still think uh, Steel Mouse Roller Coaster Two is is great. There was also a comment that Aerodynamics was a roller coaster manufacturer, and in fact, the Matterhorn was their very first roller coaster. So at the time, you you. You won already. I'm just... I, it's facts. <laughs> this is one of the aims of the show. Okay, all right, all right. Very clear effects. Okay. All right, so... Okay. They're a, an American manufacturing engineering company. They're based in Utah. Like, all the best things are. Uh, anyway, so then also we had a little bit of a pause question about uh, Michael Eisner's official role. He was the chairman and CEO. And uh, what's the other guy? Uh, the other guy was the president and chief Jeffrey Katzenberg? No, the chief operating Rip officer was uh Rip Taylor. <laughs> yes. The guy who died Tom in Spanx? a helicopter crash. <laughs> uh, oh. a Tom Cruise character in the movie. <laughs> anyway, Frank Wells, Bill, Wells. Uh, Frank, Frank Frank Wells. Yeah. I know things. All right. So today's episode is the case of the monorails. All right, so... Fifth episode, you've been waiting for it. We've been holding off the big ones. It's monorail time. Monorail time. Monorail. Monorail. <laughs> that is a Simpsons reference, Jeremy. In today's episode, we will uh, discuss the various facts and details and history of the Disney Parks monorail system, and we will decide which is the supreme experience. So, Dan's going to start with the history of the monorail at Disneyland, and then I'm going to continue with details about Walt Disney World. This will be a little bit of back and forth. It's a different structure this time because it's a little nonlinear, and it's not an attraction, so we can't really... Well, excuse me. It, one, It's an attraction on one place, and it's a, a conveyance That's system on right. the other, right? So, if... Uh, Jeremy, you ready? If Disneyland gets a point, you will hear this. <laughs> That is the monorail horn. And if Walt Disney World gets a point, you will hear this. Por favor. One more time. For <laughs> Por favor. <laughs> Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. All right. So, Daniel, you get started. Yes. Tell us about the... And by the way, Jeremy's going to be the judge. And he's going to do a yeah, wonderful so job. So, you guys, I'm going to keep you two in line. And I'm going to be tallying up these points. Tally. However okay. I see fit. That's right. That's the way it's played, right? <laughs> That's how it should be done. <laughs> All right. Daniel, Disneyland monorail. Yes. A strong argument can be made that Disneyland would have always been a, a weird fever dream by an eccentric, occasionally anti-Semitic genius were it, it not for Walt Disney's fascination with model trains. Taken up as a hobby in what was essentially a doctor, doctor's orders, Disney took to it with the ex excitement and attention to detail that seems unique to people with equal parts resources and OCD. As I've been researching the development of Disneyland for this podcast, especially in its early years, this has become a, a sort of framing device for me as it becomes useful or maybe just fun to try on the possibility that Walt looked at the park as an elaborate and painstakingly manicured life-size model that he could share with the world. I don't know how much weight this thought experience deserves outside my own head, but I think the history supports the idea that in many ways Disneyland was Walt's toy. He built it because he wanted one to build. One piece of Walt's toy was a futuristic city area, Tomorrowland. It has always been a bit of a conceptual albatross, but one of the many things Tomorrowland has been about or for is exploring the practical and impractical applications of new technologies and modes of transport. Tomorrowland has often been called a world on the move because of this theme, and as a result, the visual appeal of the area is often attributed to the movement or kinetic en energy found throughout. Though Tomorrowland has been home to phantom boats, big and midgetopia, uh, skyways to and from Fantasyland, flying saucers, flying rocket jets, both high and low, railroads and viewliners, as well as other movers of people, it can be argued that the Tomorrowland transportation system that is both still operational and the most iconic is the monorail. In fact, this aspect of Disneyland's monorail makes it far superior to the occasional death trap and swamp-adjacent petri dish that ambles above the snake and gator-infested waterways of Walt Disney World. The East Coast, <laughs> the East Coast monorail does, does provide effective transportation to and from a quaint 12% of the resort, resort's hotels and 25% of its parks and shopping districts and is usually able to keep its howl-like psychotic urges at bay. But 
<laughs> As an actual attraction, it pales in comparison to Disneyland's monorail, which connects 75% of the resort's parks and shopping districts and 33% of its hotels. So, Jimmy, if you want to give up now, that would be fine. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to keep it above board and positive. That's fine. This is that's a positive fine. podcast. If you want to support, you know, danger, that's fine. So I I was following our previous format of, like, opening sort of statement. I have my history in the, the ride part. So I, however you want to do this. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I want to do it like this. I'm going to tell you that the Walt Disney World monorail system is a public transit monorail system. It's been in operation at Disney World since 1971. It operates 12 Mark 6 monorail trains on three lines of service. The monorail system, I told you, opened in 1971. It links the Magic, Magic Kingdom Resorts and the Magic Kingdom Express, and there are they are Mark 6 trains, as in, indicated. It was expanded to three lines, Magic Kingdom Resort and Express, plus Epcot in 1982, and the rolling stock was updated to Mark 6 from Mark 4 trains in 1989. Sadly, they're still <laughs> the same Mark 6 trains, <laughs> some 30 years later. Uh, as of 2016, the system is one of the most heavily used monorail systems in the world, with over 150,000 daily riders. The only monorail systems that have more daily riders are the Tokyo monorail in Tokyo, Japan, which has over 500,000 daily riders, and the monorail system in Chongyong Rail Transit in Chongqing, China, which has over 900,000 daily riders on uh, lines two and three combined. The three services on two distinct routes on Walt Disney World monorail are the Express, which uh, between the Magic Kingdom and the Transportation and Ticket Center, that's just an Express round trip, and the it rotates clockwise. And then the Resort monorail round trip local service on the inner loop running clockwise. Oh, sorry. Express is counterclockwise. The resort is clockwise. It makes stops the Magic Kingdom, the Contemporary, the Transportation and Ticket Center, and the Polynesian Resort, and the Grand Floridian Resort and Spa. The Epcot service between the Transportation Ticket Center and Epcot uh, is a single beam running clockwise on the loop. The switch track connecting Epcot line and the Magic Kingdom Express beam at the Transportation and Ticket Center station. <laughs> that is <laughs> all I got. <laughs> but there is a spur track at the Magic Kingdom station that connects the Express resort lines and the maintenance shop. Another spur connects the Express and Epcot lines is located in the northeast of the Transportation and Ticket Center and the monorail beams, which are made of concrete with a special polystyrene core to lighten their weight, came by train from the state of Washington. Boom. I'm just laughing because like, I, I can't imagine that people are able to drive and listen to facts about the monorail at the same time. Maybe they're not driving. They, they pulled over because they're so captive. They're at a rest stop and they're probably resting. Right. They could be doing any number of things. As in falling asleep. All right, I got to ask, why are they, so you guys have laid out some interesting cases. Um, sure. <laughs> I, tell me why the Disneyland mm -hmm. monorail is better. Oh, we're just getting right to the meat. Oh, are you are you done with your opening statement? I felt it felt like it was waning, yeah. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yes. uh, well, that that was yeah. that was my opening statement. I have I have all sorts of other stuff. I have stuff about the queue and how beautiful it is. Oh. And um the ride itself and all the different mark trains. <laughs> and I have a note in here, pause here for Jimmy to admit, to admit defeat. Um, <laughs> all right. I, so, I got a solid argument here. At its core, the difference is the Disneyland monorail is a ride that you cannot ride unless you have a ticket to the park. Right. And the right. Disney World monorail is a conveyance system between multiple resorts and multiple parks. That's the fundamental difference. Right. Except that the Disneyland monorail also functions as a conveyance system because it takes you to well, downtown Disney, but basically downtown Disney and the hotel. So my argument for Disneyland being the better one, and I really didn't, I, I didn't have a strong opinion on this until I did a bunch of looking into it, is that it does everything it's supposed to do as a conveyance system or a mode of transport, rather, 
but it's also a pretty cool attraction. Like, I don't know. I don't, I can't think of anyone besides maybe the three of us <laughs> saying, Hey, I'm going to go ride the monorail at Disney world because it's fun to do. So I have a question for you because you just got into something. Uh, Dan, did you say that the Disney World monorail, you don't need a ticket to a park to ride? Jimmy said that. Oh, sorry, Jimmy. Disney World monorail. Anybody can ride it. You do not need a ticket to any theme park in order to ride the Disney World monorail. I got to give that a point. Anybody can just go and get on it. 14 miles of it, by the way. 14 miles. I'm sorry. Disney World monorail point. Por favor. Por favor. But do you really want just anybody hanging out in the in the monorail while you're riding it? I mean, that's just that's a bad show. Well, Dan, I have to say on this point, I've heard you often <laughs> put forth on this show a very egalitarian uh, <laughs> philosophy. And when you when we've talked about how things are limited, you you take you detract. That's a good point. And so, therefore, because this is open to anyone of any income level, I'm giving it a point. According to your standards. How dare you? How dare yes. you use my leftist Sorry. principles against me? <laughs> but good paying attention. That's very good. Yeah, we want to keep it keep it square. So the, <laughs> Damn it. the one thing I want to talk about this that may be in favor of Disneyland is that the front cabs, there is seating for up to four guests in the front cab of the train with a pilot who does the, the driving. They... And the, the people that first come, first serve, if you get on there, you, you used to be given a co-pilot license, which is really cool. I, do you have one of those, either of you? I do not, but I do have a very fond memory when my family stayed at the Disneyland Hotel of, like, hanging out with the the pilot and talking to him and being, like, amazed that he was driving this thing standing up. And there was an... Uh, accident on july 5th of 2009 and that seating has been suspended at walt disney world is that true at disneyland too i believe so that's not something that, anyway. that's not something that i did a real deep dive on i didn't but i know all about the different marks which <laughs> we don't need to get into it <laughs> so you so dan you don't know if we can if we can still ride in the front cabin you know disneyland. you would think in when someone is part of a show like this it's there would be something that they would look into um i'm not that person i uh, that's just not how i roll apparently so for <laughs> and we'll get to it <laughs> for those listeners well i as the judge have to, i can only go by the evidence put before me by the litigants so no points either way okay. next okay 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 be facts for the next yes. show that we will uncover okay 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 what do we got um so you want to hear about the queue it's probably a good idea <laughs> all right dan give us some more information about disneyland's monorail <laughs> oh here we go uh the monorail queue on the tomorrowland side can be charitably called a celebration of functionality and minimalism this could be due to it being built at a time when cold, boxy corporate functionality was seen as being a sleek and modern aesthetic. But that's probably a stretch, and I would never do such a thing on this podcast. For most of its life, the monorail was simply a line along the submarine lagoon, but it offered a prime opportunity to slow down and take in the sights and smells of the submarine while having a railing to lean against. This brings us to an interesting point, that while... The queue was and remains more or less an afterthought. It was, unlike some other monorail queues, inside of a Disney theme park. And since it exists in Tomorrowland as both a mode of transport to another place and as an attraction inside of a themed land, I would argue that plainness of the queue and loading platform actually add to the theme of Tomorrowland as a whole. It isn't presented as a big deal. It is simple as any bus stop today might appear. Taking the land's theme at face value, you aren't riding the, m riding the monorail because it is a wacky new adventure. You're riding it presumably because it is one of many ways of getting around in this, the future. The most overtly futuristic element of the queue was a speed ramp up to the loading platform, which has been removed to make way for the Finding Nemo Voyage of Questionable Submersions queue expansion in 2007. And now you walk up a long uh, ramp between the submarines and Utopia to uh, a platform where you are still treated to the same panoramic view of Tomorrowland and the east side of Fantasyland that has always been there. On the other end of the line is another station, which is also pretty spare and functional, 
for the very specific purposes of this particular podcast, I'll simply point out that it exists very much as a monorail, as the monorail stations at Walt Disney World do, but it features a cool shading in the shape of a giant leaf, which tied in loosely to the Rainforest Cafe, which was by because the station is located in a vibrant shopping district where there are live musicians and other things that are better and more interesting than a parking lot. <laughs> okay, so just a quick question, sidebar. Yes. Is the Rainforest Cafe open again? Uh, it's coming back, It's from what I hear. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I would love to hear Jimmy's counterpoint to your, you know, your uh, Q argument. I mean, d- d- does the prosecution rest on this, I suppose? <laughs> well, we could just give the point. No. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm sure our listeners want to hear. So, I would tell you that the, not just two Qs, one with a leaf and one with a the the conveyance of Tomorrowland, the land on the move, but also inside of a hotel lobby with a beautiful mural at the Contemporary Resort inside the hotel, the Disneyland station, the Grand Floridian station themed like the Grand Floridian, the Polynesian station themed like the Polynesian, the Transportation and Ticket Center themed like a transportation center, and then the multi-ramped Epcot station that is a pain in the behind to walk up all those ramps and you can't be that guy that gets on the elevator seemed like a state fair <laughs> so apart from a leaf i'm trying to figure out why we're getting disneyland's into that size thing again q is With any this. better than you know why ramps at disneyland are better than ramps outside the magic kingdom or ramps at epcot because it's inside of disneyland okay but what about ramps that are in like what about escalators that are inside of a modern hotel well, okay, so here's the thing with that is are we going to give the contemporary a point for the monorail being in it or the monorail a point for going through the contemporary? Well, we're not we're not judging the contemporary resort today. Right. Both. But I'm just saying if we're going to give the point to the monorail for going through the contemporary, then <laughs> the contemporary might not be able to be f- fairly given that point for the monorail going through it. I have another question, another sidebar. It's just simple physics. Well, I mean, first of all, it needs to get a point for going through a hotel, an iconic hotel. It goes through a hotel. That's iconic. Right. And the Disneyland monorail goes through theme park at length. Uh, Excuse me. Disney World Hotel goes through Epcot, half of the park. Right. It's just a curve, though. But you can see the whole stinking park. Well, because the whole park's open. It's not the monorail's fault. <laughs> All right, counterpoint. Wait, so I'm sorry. I just, I'm trying to figure out the queue thing. Are the queues at Disneyland better than at Disney World? Yes, because they're inside of a theme park. You know, okay, so I'm, I'm going to finish this argument for you. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give you Please. the point. <laughs> and the reason why I'm giving you that point is because there when you are waiting in that it, this is weak, but when you're waiting in that queue, you are you do get the opportunity to kind of like stand there and look over at all the goings on in the Nemo thing. So even right. though you right. are on a ramp and the other ones have ramps, when you are on that one, you're looking down into attractions as opposed to looking down into grass. So that's why I'm giving you the point on the queue. There you go. Not because of the leaf overhang. I don't care about that. And I also <laughs> never know who noticed that. Well, I, uh, I, I certainly did from the very beginning <laughs> before doing any of this work. Um, actually, that's not – no, that is true. But I thought it was – I just thought it was silly. But it's not silly. It's an important detail. It's, uh, it's one of these it's, – it's, it's a plussing up, if you will, of, of a thing that doesn't necessarily have to have a plussing up. I guess my point is it doesn't – they didn't have to put any decorative thought at all into the station, but they did. Yeah, so I have a couple of points. Uh, we've talked a lot about does does Walt touching it act as a trump card, right? And then I would counter that to does Richard Nixon touching it? How dare you? <laughs> Counterpoint. How dare you, sir? <laughs> so what does that uh, mean? Anyway. What All are right. you saying? Like we don't know what that means. You have to talk to the listener. So who? What is that? Did he write it? Well, famously. Richard Nixon was on the inaugural ride of the Walt Disney World mon- or Disneyland monorail. He was okay. the first rider. He and his family with Walt, and the Secret Service look were left. Watergate is not the monorail's fault. Okay, the Secret Service was left off of that ride around the park, and it, yeah, what? they they left without the Secret Service, <laughs> were th- and they were pretty upset about it. 
So Walt Disney could have totally like he, shanked he kidnapped Nixon. the vice president. <laughs> and I will also say that the famous <laughs> I was not a crook speech took place at the ballroom at the yeah. Contemporary Hotel. Wow. So those two arguments <laughs> counter each other. No point. <laughs> no point. Let's keep it moving then, I guess. I don't know. So, okay. <laughs> I know, right? But, I mean, I, I'm I'm really curious. How does this podcast continue? How does the podcast either continue to be functional or become functional if we're going to say that something being bigger is automatically better? Because that's, kind of, that's kind of the argument with the queue. And I realize that I got the point, but it's also something to, like, think about i, I don't think. think it was the size of the queue i think it was the the multiple queues but that kind of goes to the same point as size. Right. so i would say the argument right. really is the disneyland monorail starts in a theme park in the most famous theme park right. in the world and right and disney world monorail goes through one of the other most famous theme parks but then disneyland monorail goes through california adventure so i just think that the queue okay i, I, I agree say with you have, it depends assessment. on how it depends on how but, you choose to argue the point it, the the disney world monorail would get a point maybe for being right. bigger because it has more more trains which are harder to maintain in different colors that you can ride in different places that you can go because it gives you more options so it can add to your enjoyment okay. you can ride it for longer right. it takes a lot longer to get to epcot from magic kingdom um if a castle is bigger and it adds to your sense of awe when you walk into a park, I think you have to go with size. I don't think that just the fact that it has more track, but that's up to the arguer. You've got to you've got to make that case that bigger is better right. for a reason. It can't just be like it's bigger, which is why you didn't get that's, the point. More yeah. stations, yeah. or why you got the point. More right. stations no, doesn't fair. make that's it fair. bigger. But if Dan or Jimmy had maybe argued that like it gets you to more places because it's bigger, but he didn't take that route, so he's not getting the point. Keep it moving. All right. So I do want to talk about <laughs> right. the, the pre-recorded announcements, and, and I think this is uh, adds some value. So the, the monorail system at Disney World uses pre-recorded announcements. I think they both do to instruct and entertain. By the way, uh, prior to departure, when the pilot closes the doors, an announcement asks the guests to please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas, which is one of the most famous and well-known phrases within the resort and it was recorded by and remains jack wagner mm. Mm. jack wagner for the point well disney touched it um D dan is jack wagner no longer yes. on the disneyland announcements i believe he is no longer on it Ooh. yeah mm. but it has a leaf <laughs> And I'm a bit listen, I'm a Disney music they, historian and well, I'm not a Disney music historian at all, but I like Disney music and its history. And, uh, you know, Jack Wagner's responsible for a lot of that. And I love that guy's voice. So I am man, giving the point. I to gave you DW. There he is. I gave you a point for Felisa Rashad. I just <laughs> I, I, <laughs> just need to remind you of that. Yeah. And this is another celebrity and he's getting the point. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you be so accurate? So a, a couple other <laughs> points. This, this is for deep dive nerdery kind of stuff for our listeners who care. But because that phrase is installed in a separate system, it still exists. But uh, there are other voices now that do the main narration. And, and breaking news update, there is a new audio announcement loop for the Epcot loop. And it highlights the new Guardians ride, the new Play Pavilion, the Space 20 or 220 restaurant as well as exciting new adventures in France, China, UK, and Canada. So there's a new audio for mm -hmm. Epcot now. You got the point. So the new adventures in, in France are the Ratatouille adventure. China is a new uh, Circle Vision movie. The UK is supposed to have a Mary Poppins attraction, and then Canada is getting a new Circle Vision as well, I believe. So that is the... You, you already got the point. I'm so. just, this, that's for listeners. That's not for getting more points. <laughs> He's just giving a little helpful hint. <laughs> helpful hints to the listeners. I know. I know. Uh, I know. What else have we got here, guys? Right now, I got a, a uh, Disney movie. World monorail one point ahead of Disneyland. All right. Uh, so, uh, moving on to the ride itself. 
opened as the Disney All-Egg Monorail on June 14th, 1957, and christened by a young politician with a very promising future. It was the first daily operating monorail system in the Western Hemisphere and was inspired by a model that Disney engineers saw built by the Alweg Corporation in Germany. Alweg's innovation in single rail transport was to have the cars straddle a single beam rather than hang below one, as had been previously done. Straddle. Um, eventually, Alweg was hired to build the track, which included a constant uh, electric power source that provides power to each individual car, powering four 100-horsepower motors. I'm no doubt Disney World has higher horsepower. Uh, the original Mark, the original monorail Mark One cars were developed and built by WED and were, of course, designed by Bob Gurr, who built everything. The sleek or, at the time, futuristic design that had Gurr look to current aesthetics to try to imagine how they would likely evolve and manifest in future designs. The result was based on an amalgam of Cadillac-inspired features, including a tail fin and tail lights, which were under the car rather than above, because future. Originally, there were only two trains with three cars, monorail blue and red, which toured the highway in the sky above the various Autopiae, that's my plural for Autopia, which should be canon, and Disneyland's most criminally closed, criminally closed attraction, that's hard to say, closed attraction, the motorboat cruise. Uh, The monorail opened with only one station, and the track was four-fifths of a mile. Jimmy, were you saying something? No. Okay. In 1961, the track was expanded to two and a half miles to reach the Disneyland Hotel across West Street. This made it the first Disney attraction to leave Disney property, and I have no doubt that the mysterious organization known as the Bay Lake Society was a twinkle in someone's eye at this point. I've said too much. Along with this new municipal murkiness came the Mark II monorail. The iconic bubble dome at the front was enlarged, as were the trains and the fleet. Monorail yellow, or gold if you ask Disney, was introduced, making the lineup three trains with four cars each. This led to further expansion in 1969 with the Mark III, five cars and four trains, adding green. In 1986, the Mark V was introduced and is probably what most people listening to this think of when they think monorail, simply because most people making or listening to podcasts fall into a certain age range. The Mark V was made to resemble the uh, Disney World monorail, but it was still better. The design was mainly an aesthetic one, although (laughs) I'm sure there is a bigger nerd out there yelling at their phone right now, and I'm okay with that. Um, the Mark V was all white and or gray, depending on whether or not you grew up with interior designers as parents, and each had a colored strip along the bottom of its windows. These colors continued to be the namesake for each train, red, blue, orange, and purple. Following the timeline, it is worth mentioning that the monorail track outside of the berm has seen a few minor changes to make way for some very big changes around it. The additions of DCA and Supreme Resort winner Indiana Jones Temple of the Forbidden Eye saw the need for the track to be adjusted to accommodate the additions, which were each eventually seen as being good. In uh, 2008, that's how you say that, we got the Mark 7, designed to resemble the Mark 3 without a tail fin. The fleet was reduced to three, uh, red, blue, and orange, and features outward-facing seats so guests can fully enjoy the breathtaking views that the Disneyland monorail uniquely offers, since there is neither a ferry to do the same thing, nor 15 minutes of swampy terror to give the children nightmares and remind the adults of the horrors that must await them should the doors suddenly open. And this is where it says pause here for Jimmy to admit defeats. Right. Okay. Um, Jimmy. So there's, so there's something I want to say about that. You're sorry the, that you ever took this on. The, I just some of your some of your phrasing. <laughs> just, what? I, I'm glad you wrote everything down. Yeah. <laughs> you glossed over some real glory. There's some beauties. That's how I operate. <laughs> so I want to talk about the 12 monorail trains at Walt Disney World. And th- again, you can award these points or not, Jeremy. This is just interesting stuff for, for a nerd like me. So there are 12 trains on the system, and we'll go through the different colors and, and all that in a minute. But the, the, the shop, the workshop for the trains can only hold 10 trains. And it's, and it's uh, above, it's the second story of a building, and all the the Disney World railroad trains all kind of live underneath. And what's interesting is because there are 12 trains and the station can only handle 10, that 
the other two trains are just kind of randomly parked at any station. They can go to any station, but if it's like severe weather, they both get parked inside of the contemporary to prevent from weather. Otherwise, they can kind of be anywhere. And then they they have a painting room inside on beam ten of the workshop, and it's twenty five feet off the ground, and it has a lift mounted on the wall for painters, and it takes three weeks to paint a monorail train. And then to access the wheels underside the monorail, there's a portion of beam one inside the shop that's removable so they can go and change load tires. So that's kind of some of the maintenance stuff on the 12 trains. I thought was kind of cool. Okay, that's neat. Dan, any reasons why what you listed makes it better than Disney World, please? Well, I was just talking about the the design of the the cars. I haven't gotten to the ride itself. I mean, but these are all engineering things that are cool. I don't know that one is cooler than the other because... You know, feeling like this mine was clearly going to be the winner. I didn't really look into the, you know, the more functional one. Did you happen to say that uh, the Disneyland monorail was the first operating monorail in this hemisphere? Yes. I think that's point. I think I I think that's several points. And the other thing I would say, because I'm not as competitive maybe as you are, Jeremy, but I have to concede the fact that. The Disneyland, Disney World monorails have been operating for 30 years with multiple shutdowns and issues. And the new Mark 7 trains at Disneyland are beautiful. They're really cool. Very sleek and kind of back to Bob Gurr's design. So I would concede a point for the design aesthetic of the Disneyland nice. monorail. Wait, that's a... Why is that point? Why is that statement an attack on my What does that have to do with me? Because you would never do that <laughs> if you were arguing for I, this. You would I never think that's say that. true, and I think that's what, part of what we like about you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Disneyland is about to win this. Do I get a point for putting uh, that it was Bill Burr? Or Bill Barr, rather, in my my notes, and then changing it to the correct answer. <laughs> no, the attorney general. Never what? mind. Uh, the answer. I had the attorney general's name as the guy who. Oh, not Bob Gurr. Yeah, yeah. Got yeah. It. William no, Barr. You don't get anything. For yeah, that. you get negative points for William. Barr. <laughs> no, <laughs> I need to win one. <laughs> uh, so, am I gonna? Am I doing the right okay, experience go ahead. now? All right. Okay. Starting from the Tomorrowland Station, the monorail wastes very little time getting directly to your destination, the Disneyland Hotel in downtown Disney. Many elements of this ride will likely be criticized by fans of the Disney World bubble effect because no more than 20 seconds after leaving the station, the monorail rides parallel to Harbor Boulevard, taking you out of Disneyland entirely before continuing to pass over California Adventure. This breaking of the bubble and whether it is good or a bad thing is something I hope to talk about later since I see it as a feature and I admit that this is partially due to Disneyland being my, quote, home park. Um, turning to enter uh, California Adventure, it passes over Monster Star Limo and the Sunset Showcase Theater. Then uh, the Monsters ride, Monster Star Limo. Um, then it crosses through the entry plaza of DCA. In doing this, it once passed over a comically small replica of the Golden Gate Bridge but now passes over a bridge inspired by the Glendale-Hyperion Bridge that goes over the Los Angeles River in Atwater Village. Riders get to see the hustle and bustle of what was once a very sad entrance to a very bad park. It's now much better and actually pretty cool to look at. After passing over the queue for soaring over everything, the monorail passes through Disney's Grand Californian Hotel and Spa and enters the downtown Disney station. From guests, from there, guests have the option of disembarking to explore the myriad of overpriced entertainment, shopping, or dining options at Downtown Disney and the Disneyland Hotel, including Trader Sam's, or they can just sit still and take in the ambience of some guy playing a pan flute on a track dripping with reverb, overzealous dancing groups, a veritable human Etsy, and parents on the loading platform yelling at their sticky children to get ready because the tram ain't gonna wait for us. The return trip is where where things get really good, and when the ride starts to do its job more as an attraction while also operating as a way of transporting guests into Disneyland by way of Tomorrowland. 
The monorail leaves downtown Disney and makes a short loop around the district before crossing above the Esplanade between the two parks and heads back to Disneyland. Once inside the park, the monorail crosses the railroad again and goes into a series of smooth bends and curves around Tomorrowland. The track travels above the submarine lagoon Anotopia. The track eventually crosses the lagoon four times. It then curves around the Matterhorn, giving a view of Fantasyland and a short viewing of any parade that might be happening. Then turns left to re-enter the Tomorrowland station. Jimmy, are you admitting defeat yet? The Disney World monorail takes you along 14 miles of track and stops you at two of the most famous theme parks in the world and stops you into three world-famous resort hotels on and how three many, separate lines. How many resort hotels are in the entire the entirety of Disney World? A lot more than that. Right. So you talked about percentages already. Right. I'm just saying that if, if we're gonna if we're gonna praise the Disney World monorail for being a, tra- a very effective transportation system, we then have to address the fact that it's not really connected to a whole lot of stuff. I mean, it's connected to more stuff than Disneyland, that's for sure. But that's because there's less stuff to connect to at Disneyland. And but that's not the monorail's fault. Jeremy. I guess my question is what percent of guests at Disneyland are staying on property versus what percent of guests are staying on property at Disney World? Right. And you have the 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 percent of uh, good neighbor hotels is much greater there. So it just like it doesn't go to Caribbean beach. It also doesn't go to the Sheridan park hotel, you know, right, street. right. But, but again, this is again, we're, t- we're talking more about the difference between Disneyland and Disney world. It's not the monorail's fault that the resort isn't bigger or that it has partner hotels. It may not be its fault, but it doesn't make it better. That is kind of the point of the show. So go ahead, Jeremy. Let's uh, speed round. <laughs> speed round. Wait. So what do we do? Uh, you're telling us which is better. The I, right think that's a, I think that's an. I, I just don't think that there's a point to be had on either side of that. Okay. So right. And but the monorail is also only connected to two theme parks. In either case. out of four on both coasts. Yeah, I mean technically it doesn't connect California Adventure. It goes through it, right? Right. Oh, true. So I, I, here's the funny thing about this episode so far, and the, the only funny thing so far about this episode. Oh, I'm joking. You found one. <laughs> yeah, is that when we when I first pitched the idea to J- Jason, uh, and he said, like, "Why don't you come on to Ears Up and promote the show, and you guys can kind of come on and do your banter and do something really quick, like a short episode, like the monorails." <laughs> yeah. No. I. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was that's cute. not. That's so, not this show, apparently. So here's what I'd like to do. Dan, do you, tell me what more you have, and then let's let's uh, close out with a couple of points. Um, that's, I mean, I have a ton more, but it's all just pedantic, weird stuff. Um, the honk that you hear is, this is fun. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's a communication device to let people know that the monorail is coming and going and to say hi to other modes of transport, but it's also to get uh, birds off of the track. Oh, interesting. So like when it when it turns when it comes around the Matterhorn, the reason it always honks its horn like right at that moment is to get any birds that are like out of view. That's cool. So I, I want to talk a little bit about the train safety. Just I think it's in the spirit of what we just talked about. I want to talk. It's really interesting stuff. And then I have a, right. a list of bullets that I want to go through, and we'll do a rapid fire. I'll make a statement. You make a counter. Jason or Jerry will will give a, a point or not give a point accordingly, and then we can close out. How about that? Mm-hmm. So, train safe spacing is is totally critical at, at uh, and maintained via a moving block light system. It's referred to as Mapo, and some of you may be familiar with that. The Mapo system is in, is what it's called, the train safety system. So it's in the each cab of each train. Mapo appears in the top center of the pilot's console, and it looks similar to a horizontal stoplight. There are three lights: green, amber, and red and a push button labeled override. So the term MAPO, if you don't know, comes directly from Walt Disney, who formed a new company to deal with the Disneyland transportation system directly from the profits of Mary Poppins. So MAPO is M-A-P-O, Mary Poppins. That's kind of a cool fact. So Uh each of the beams um, are divided into blocks based upon pylon numbering. 
the currently illuminated Mapo color indicates how far ahead the leading train is currently located. So a green Mapo shows that the waiting the leading train is more than three blocks ahead. Amber means two blocks ahead, and red indicates that the next train is in the very next block. A block is roughly between five hundred and a thousand feet, um, and uh, it, it and although it varies, the start of each block is called a hold point as pilots may need to hold their trains at the location until the train ahead moves away. Guests riding in the front of the cab, not anymore, uh, can, I'm going to skip that because can't do that anymore. Uh, for safety, trains must be kept at least two blocks apart during a normal operation. A red mapo indicates that train spacing has become unsafe, and when a red mapo occurs, the train's onboard computer locks out the pilot's propulsion control and applies emergency brakes. The pilot cannot resume control of the train until the, uh, either the MAPO clears or the pilot presses the, and holds the MAPO override button. So it's the pilot's responsibility to avoid the red MAPO during operation. But anyway, I thought that was kind of cool. And then that is very uh, a red MAPO will also occur when the pilot approaches a section of unpowered beam, a spur line or a switch beam thrown in the direction of a spur line. Pilots must engage the MAPO override when the moving trains through a switch or to the spur line. Red MAPOs occurring due to safety tests, switching, or beam power loss do not count as uh, demerits against the pilot. But if they get if they like violate this and get a bunch of red MAPOs, if they get more more than three in a two year period, then they have to move to a different department. <laughs> yeah, wow. it's the Skyliner department. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Yeah, so they have to stop the train before the next block of beam, and uh, therefore before it switches to red. And so it says, should a pilot cross the hold point and receive a red MAPO, this counts as a safety demerit against the pilot. And if they get two in a two-year, or three in a two-year period, they get demoted. And they're going to be dressing up as Goofy for the next That's five right. years. All right, so that was cool, and... I don't think we need to really award points. I just thought that was interesting, you know, kind of behind-the-scenes stuff. So here's the rapid fire, okay? Right. Going into the lightning round, I want to the say. Light going into the lightning Disneyland round. Disneyland has three, and WDW has two. Ooh. All right. So uh, advantage Disneyland, and let's see how this okay. goes. You've got a has, has round Disney- to make up. Has Disneyland gotten a point for adding kinetic energy to both theme parks and the resort, especially to Tomorrowland, which really needs it? There's kinetic energy no. with Epcot as well. Yeah, I guess. Okay. So, fact number one. Over 55 yeah. million guests ride the monorail system at Walt Disney World each year. It's an average of more than 150,000 each day or 9,500 each hour. 150,000 guests is more than Disneyland's capacity. Okay. I see where you're going with this. Uh, no, I've gone. Of there. course, because it's, a, of course, it does because it's a bigger place and more people go there, and more people stay on Jeremy? site. So I'm actually going to keep the point. You're, you're not going to get the point for this, and the reason is because I think that it's increased capacity. We've already given you a point for the fact that it lets the the, the open public on, and I think that's just part of its. Capacity. Okay, so my next. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. No more points right. on that one. So my next point is... It's not the monorail's fault that it's in a smaller place. It's You're going to lose a point for keep saying it's not the monorail's fault. It's, it's not Indiana Jones' fault. <laughs> right. But but we might gain a t-shirt. It's not the monorail's fault t-shirt. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. Yeah. I just suit my pants. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so I guess I don't get a point for it's completely free to ride the Walt Disney World monorail. You got to put that in the beginning. All right. uh, the monorails are completely eco-friendly, fully electric, with zero emissions. It's true for both, isn't it? Yeah, it's true for both. It's true for both. No point. Next. The monorail has over 14.7 miles of track and seven different stations, Polynesian, TTC, Grand Floridian, Magic Kingdom, Contemporary, Epcot, and the service station behind Anil- or, uh, Magic Kingdom. Point already made for that. I mean, it's, it's of course it does because that's what it's supposed to do. The Disney Disneyland monorail does what it's supposed to do as transportation to and from a hotel, and it's also an attraction. Jeremy. Okay. 
I got okay, so I gotta I gotta give a point to Disney World for this. Agreed. Because they both operate as attractions, they both operate as a conveyance. The Disney World goes to more, and because it goes to so many more places, you can do an Epcot or you can do a monorail bar crawl. I, you took my. You so took which my next is the one. better? That is a. Which point. is the better actual attraction, though? Well, one's not an attraction because I feel like the monorail is going to lose this for being in the place that it's in, and that that's that that. If that's going to be the case, then I think that Disney World's just always going to win. Why? Because there's more stuff. So Peter Pan is going to lose because there's more stuff. Well, in Magic okay, Kingdom. not 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 literally, but I. If okay, if we want to go in this direction, then that's that's fine. Okay, it's, we, just, that, it's a more expansive. It, it's it's entertaining to ride. It goes through a park. It and it takes you to a bunch more places. I'm sorry, like it ha- you have. And to I think Dan, you that. can concede the point of the monorail booze cruise. There's got to be something to be said about that. Yeah, I'm giving it for booze cruise. Yeah, I was going to say that next, but I'm, it's tied up. I'm moving Come on, on. Dan. It's not over. Okay, but 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 I I will concede that. But that that that's got to be just one point. Right, yeah. because the booze cruise yeah. kind of goes with the it goes to more places. Right. Okay. Okay. Each train, I'm, I'm that, okay with that. All right. Each train at Walt Disney World has six cars, the two hundred and three feet long and a height of ten and a half feet. Right, because there's so many people in there that you can't functionally get a seat for everybody, and they need to have standing room. Again, this goes to the 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 more people, bigger place thing. Jeremy, why is it better that it's Dis- Dan Disneyland why is it monorail? That it's everyone, what's that? Dan's got to answer why it's better that it's bigger. Why is it better that you can stand? Is it better because you can stand? No, <laughs> no I would no, That's I think that I think that that what I'm getting to is the Disneyland monorail is better because everyone gets a seat and there is no standing because there doesn't need to be because it's a smaller park. Point Disneyland. <laughs> Wow. You always get a seat. Wow. Wait, Come on, give it to me. What's next? Co- and I also keep mixing your names. There's on. air conditioning on the Disney World monorail. That wasn't even on my list. Oh, finally! It's, finally! It's I've been Florida. like sitting here waiting. <laughs> it, yeah, but this is why Disney World gets the point because many months of the year when it's hot in Southern California, yours doesn't even run because it's too hot. If it goes above 80 degrees, they shut the whole thing down all day. Sorry. <laughs> Point. WDW. Por favor. Oh! All right. Fact. Por favor. Next fact. There are 12 different trains differentiated by different colors, and they are peach, teal, red, coral, orange, gold, yellow, lime, green, blue, silver, and black. And monorail green has officially updated and has an entirely new interior design. The other monorails have this. All the other monorails on the interior strip all have like a coral strip, and now... The green monorail has a green strip and the little... Yeah, no one cares. What is it? Next. Oh, man. Give me something else. <laughs> the, they're Color, all ugly. Listing colors is not, a, is not winning you this. All right. Keep all going. Right, all right. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. Good. I, I don't know if this is that. true or not. The, the beam on the track, I don't know if this is true for both, but the, the Disney, Rail monor- Disney World monorail track is 26 inches wide, just a little over two feet wide. And each column holding up the beams are 110 feet apart. That's fine. Rapid fire. What's All right. next? <laughs> is that a point? That, that's not a point. I'm, I'm no. just making statements. Yeah, facts, it's, so. that's just that's that's just building things. <laughs> the maximum it's, speed it's, it's weak. at Walt Disney World is 55 miles an hour. Right, because it goes further, so it needs to go faster. Otherwise, it's going to be like a half an hour rather than 15 minutes to get to Epcot Center. Jeremy. Disneyland's runs at a comfortable 30 miles an hour. <laughs> Try to find a family You know, it car. could run a little faster because then the wind would hit you because <laughs> there's no AC. You right, but we've already, we've, already, we've already addressed that. <laughs> that is true. I don't know. I need more. You, like, I, I'm going to tell you where I'm holding back because Disney World is so big that you don't perceive the speed. Where mm-hmm. you can go slower in Disneyland, but because you're going past so much stuff in and out round corners, it almost feels f- just as fast. So, like, it may technically be true, but I'm not sure that I'm feeling that. 
I think you might have, if we're being completely fair, I think you might have just stumbled on a point there because you are going in and out of things. You're seeing more things to the point that you do actually need to go slower to see everything. Mm. Nice try. Keep it. What's next? <laughs> the Disney World monorail produces over 900 horsepower. No, don't care. It's, it's it needs bigger. to. It's got to carry a yeah, lot of yeah, people. Yeah. Here's my favorite. This is my, I've already gotten the point for this. But I, when I wrote this, I was very <laughs> proud of myself. Jimmy's double dipping. The, the famous saying, please stay and clear the doors, or por favor, mantenga si alejado de las puertas, is still the voice of Jack Wagner of General Hospital fame. <laughs> it's not him. Are you, wait, are you serious? Yes. <laughs> no, it's not the same Jack Wagner. It's funny. Anyway, I just thought that was funny. <laughs> I just didn't want you to really. Don't, I don't want anyone really thinking that Jack Wagner of General Hospital is the same. Can't leave anyone with that. I, I read it and I thought it was so funny that I had to write it down to see if I could get a point for it. <laughs> All right. So and uh, Bob Gurr is our Attorney General. Bob Gurr. If it has wheels at Disneyland, Bob Gurr probably designed it. So that's all I got. Well, where are we at point wise? Do I need to do any cleanup here? It's a tie- we need a tiebreaker because it's four four. Walt well, that is why we it. have a third host on this show. Um, I have to say I've been holding back, but and we we touched on it earlier. But I think this is a really important thing. It goes through a building. Yeah. That's so cool. That's true. And and staying inside that hotel, if you've ever stayed at that resort, that's, that's where everybody wants to stay because the monorail goes through it. Like, it's so cool. It is such a neat f- effect. And uh, I, I just don't think you can replicate that at Disneyland. I, I, I get all the points. And, and ultimately, and I, I get the speed point. I might even argue that the slower speed versus the faster speed is almost negates itself because you just do, you don't feel the effects. And you can't go faster through Disneyland because there's too much to see. But... Being able to physically go through one of the most famous structures on earth to one of the the most one of the most traveled theme parks in the world is, is significant, I think. If there's a parade going at Disneyland and it's in the Fantasyland section, you get to see bits and pieces of it as you ride on the on the monorail. Mm. When Illuminations or Epcot Forever is going off, you get to see it. As you're gliding through, but fortunately you don't have showcase. you don't have to hear Epcot forever. <laughs> and actually, Dan, there was another thing I was holding back in case we had another bit of a tiebreaker, and that was that the Disneyland monorail shuts down for the fireworks show in Disneyland, and that does not have to happen. It's, it's safety Disneyland. first, Jeremy. Safety first. It's it, this is this is a safety issue. Yeah, but if I want to ride it, it, it there's been, there the has been multiple fault. times where I've gone back there and I'm like, oh, I would love to ride this right now and take it over to the hotel and get a drink. And they're like, sorry. Do you say, sorry, does anyone actually enjoy riding the monorail at Disney World for any reason other than to get to another place? The answer is yes. Like the actual ride. Yeah, my children um, my oldest son's favorite ride at Disney World is the monorail. Yeah, I've heard that before. I had friends who lived in Orlando, and there would be times where they wouldn't maybe want to buy a park for a day. Or, like, they'd get maybe a four-day hopper, and they, they would have an extra day, and they would just go ride the monorail and then maybe pop into some hotels. It was just, like, a nice thing to do and free, which we covered. Okay. So, yeah, I think people do. Yeah, I, they they really do. It's a really cool system and the, and obviously the first one first operating in the western hemisphere is at Disneyland. It it's got some originality credit, right? And yeah, I I just it's tough, right? It's innovative that Disney World hasn't really innovated since, but because it's open all the time, it rarely ever closes. It's open to anybody. It's just yeah. I have to. I have to admit that I think Disney World's a better monorail. So it's, I think what we're getting to is what we think a monorail is, meaning that having it be a, I guess, more expansive transportation system outweighs it being. I think. 
I'm not. I don't think I'm the only one who thinks it's actually a better actual attraction. I mean, like the the, the actual experience of riding it. You get to go through Tomorrowland. It's it's fun, right? But there is also less transportation happening. Yeah, because it. Uh, well, anyway, right, Jeremy, I'm gonna let's let's close this up. What do you think? What's the final verdict on monorails? Well, it certainly was not a shutout by any means, but with a points of five to four, the Disney World monorail is the supreme attraction on the I, Supreme Resort Land View World. Sweet. The case of the monorail. You know, we're, we're sticking with it, but this is the first one that I I have um, disagreements with. But I'll, I'll – there, there, no, I don't because we are final. This is final and absolute. And finally – Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. What episode of General Hospital was that? <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you very much for listening to The Case of the Monorails. Um, um, hold on. And, uh, on uh, <laughs> the Supreme Resort Land v. World. Uh, Dan, you have a very special announcement. I don't know how special it is, but um, my improv team in San Diego doesn't get a whole lot of stage time. So just if anyone happens to be in the San Diego area on Halloween, which you know when that is, uh, check out Finest City Improv at 9 o'clock. My team, Terra Squad, is going to be performing. It's exciting. I, I've watched them perform. Things. They do a really good job. So, yeah, yeah, if you're in San Diego on Halloween, which is this year lands on October 31st, please find... <coughs> Please find Terra Squad. And again, find us on social media. Send us more emails. Send us more feedback. We appreciate you listening. And uh, listen to Spectro Radio. Anything exciting on Spectro now that Illuminations is gone? Well, I guess the big thing is that the, if, you, if you're missing Illuminations, SpectroRadio.us has you covered because the Illuminations Hour lives on nightly at 8.30 Eastern. I think that's wonderful. I was going to ask you, and I'm really glad because that, that I'd listen, there's more than one occasion that I've listened to that and just give me a smile because I haven't been to Disney World in a while and I can just listen to Illuminations. And it will always live on in our hearts, Jeremy. It shall. It and, really shall. And, and Jeremy, I don't know if I've told you, but I've recently watched Illuminations uh, on the, the YouTube with headphones, properly given it a chance, given all the things that you said about it. And... I, while I do still love World of Color very, very much, I, I completely agree with what we came up with there. Now you just need to... And it's all thanks to you. Get it put on Thank your... Thank you. I agree as well. And if I hadn't been so um, competitive, I, it might have lost. So I'm glad That's that true. my competitive uh, nature won out. And it, listen, it doesn't mean we don't all love World of Color. Of course we love World of Color. Right, I right. love World of Color. And right now, World of Color might be my new favorite nighttime show because it's <laughs> all I've got left with this new thing they've got down there so you know it's all right check out the next episode of <laughs> the supreme resort land <laughs> world for more on that and also listen to the other episodes of uh on the ears up podcast network that's ears up ears up in depth and sabers and superpowers as well as the supreme resort land v world and thank you everybody for listening and have a wonderful night and by the way let the ghost host do his job Disneylanders, mm -hmm. let the ghost host do what he's there to do. 